the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Your happiest spring starts with Lowe's. Because Spring Fest is happening now to help get you everything you need to celebrate the season. Come on into Lowe's and save on select appliances. Right now, you can get free basic install via rebate with purchase of select items $5.99 or more. We're celebrating spring with more fun and more savings. Create a season full of happiness at Lowe's. Home to any budget, home to any possibility. Excludes Connecticut and Rhode Island. Appliance offer restrictions and other fees may apply. See store for details while supplies last. The X-Zone radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the X-Zone radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. All-Hit Radio! Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back to the X One, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and uh, we're coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Worldwide toll free one eight hundred six ten seven zero three five. Email X Zone at X Radio TV dot com on MSN Messenger, X Radio TV at Hotmail dot com, and our website www dot dot com. Don't forget the all new X Channel is up and running. Uh, it officially launches the 1st of December. That's at www.xzbnchx.com. My guest this hour is a gentleman we've had the pleasure of having on the show a number of times. He's a most interesting guest and author. His name is Steve uh, Alton. And back in July, Exonation, as you'll remember, physicist in Geneva announced the existence of the Higgs boson, or God particle, a subatomic particle thought to be the key to understanding the makeup of the universe. What these physicists forgot to mention is that smashing protons together at near light speed using the Large Hadron Collider also produces a potentially planet-ending byproduct, miniature black holes. While certain uh, physicists contend that these black holes are too small to threaten the Earth, a new book just released by our guest this hour, Steve Alton, who is a New York Times best-selling author, links the Hadron Collider with two very real cataclysmic threats prophesied by the Mayan calendar with the doomsday event predicted for December the 21st of this year. 
Joining me now is Steve Aldrin and Alton. And uh, Steve, welcome back to the Exxon. Good to be back, Rob. Tell me about this, Steve. Uh, everybody's talking about the December the 21st, end of the Mayan calendar, Doomsday, Planet X, Apocalypse, um, let me see, Galactic Alignment. And you come along and say, well, hold on, there may be more than myth to all this. Tell us about it. Well, in Phobos, mind fear, Phobos, like phobia, mm-hmm. um, as you mentioned, we get in, involved with the Large Hadron Collider in Geneva. And um, the Collider, it's a well-known, it's not a well-known fact, but it's, it's a fact passed on by the physicists there that in the process of trying to recreate uh, the universe as it was just seconds after the Big Bang, they're also creating miniature black holes. Now, the physicists tell us that there's nothing to worry about here because uh, the black holes are tiny and they disperse mm-hmm. after a little bit and they're, they're not going to be able to escape. But there is a, a theoretical black hole called a stranglet, and a stranglet has enough mass to continue to gain mass. And what would happen, and I've consulted with the physicists on this, is that if a stranglet, if a miniature black hole escaped the Large Hadron Collider, it would it would uh, be drawn back and forth through the Earth's core, and every time it passed through, it could as it grew larger. And remember, you can't see a black hole. We we see images of them. We see we know there's a black hole at the center of our universe. Uh, as, I'm sorry, the center of the Milky Way galaxy, mm-hmm. but you can't see it you see the effect it has on the uh, cosmic mass around it, but you can't see it. Um, so as this miniature black hole grew larger, we wouldn't see it, but we would see the effects of it. So, uh, And every time it passed through certain areas, it, it could cause a, a seismic event. And uh, the two major seismic events that are written about in the storyline in Phobos Mind Fear um, are pretty major events. All right, why don't we uh, save that until we come back from this commercial break, Steve. Always great having you with us. Exxon Nation, Steve Alton is our special guest this hour. www.stevealton.com That's www.stevealton, and that's A-L-T-E-N dot com. This is the Exxon, a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Monday through Friday... On the Talkstar Radio Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, Star Cable, and our family of broadcast affiliates right across Canada, the United States, Central America, the Caribbean, South America, the Pacific Rim, Asia, India, Africa, and Europe. Steve Alton is our guest. His website is www.stevealton.com. I'll be back with Steve on the other side of this commercial break in two minutes as the Exxon continues with yours truly, Rob McConnell. We're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Your happiest spring starts at Lowe's because Spring Fest is on now. Find everything you need this season at a great low price, like the Craftsman 20-volt string trimmer for just $99. And grab select miracle Grow Brilliant Blooms 25-ounce annuals, two for $10. Come into Lowe's today for the fun and savings of Spring Fest. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. 
miracle Grow offer in-store only. Plant size and selection varies by location. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Selection varies by location. While supplies last. About 428 through 5-4. Exo Nation, December the 21st, 2012, according to many, is the day the earth ends, the apocalypse, the end of the Mayan calendar. Uh, let me see, what else do we have going on there? Some other people believe the fabled planet Nibiru is going to come back and make its presence known. Others believe the galactic alignment is going to tear the, tear the earth apart. What do you think is going to happen? It seems that the majority of people who at one time believed the end of the world was at hand based on the Mayan calendar are changing their mind now, especially since the Mayans have come out time and time and time again and said, well, listen, we we never said it was going to be the end of the earth, an end of a time, yes, but not the end of the earth. But Steve, uh, during the research that you did, is there a connection or a tie-in between the end of the Mayan calendar, the year 2012, and... What uh, what could be happening with this small with these small black holes? Well, I think first it's important for your listeners to understand exactly what the Mayan calendar is. Um, a calendar, by definition, is an instrument that uh, measures how long it takes for the Earth to revolve around the Sun. That's the basic definition. The mm-hmm. Mayan calendar is an instrument that measures that a ten thousandth of a day more accurately than the Gregorian calendar, which we which came about 1,500 years later, which is the basis for our modern-day calendar. So it's, you can't easily dismiss the Mayan calendar because it's sophisticated far beyond its, its years. The second thing is that the calendar is made up of 20-year epochs called katooms, mm-hmm. and each katoom has its own prophecy, so, and it's on a repeating cycle. So a lot of these katooms have prophesized things that have come true. Uh, whether it was the assassination of Lincoln or Kennedy or 9-11 or uh, World War II or, or whatever it might be. The Katooms have given enough information a little bit more specifically than a Nostradamus prediction. Um, the other thing is that the, the calendar itself is made up of three different calendars and one which sort of works like the gears of a clock. Mm-hmm. And so the, and the clock itself, the, the calendar itself, is made up of five great cycles. Now, the, the last four cycles have ended in some type of cataclysm. The fifth cycle is, is the end date on the fifth cycle, which is the current one, is December 21st, 2012, less than 30 days from now. So this is not something that's, you know, just come out of thin air. This is something that's been around for thousands of years that, that this calendar was going to end. But it's now, been around for thousands of years, but the hype hasn't, uh, you know, the hype only started about, what, 10 years ago? Uh, if not even that, <clears throat> maybe with the 2012 movie, maybe with some other books that have come out, including my domain series. Mm-hmm. But uh, as we've gotten closer to the date, yeah, it's, the hype is, has 
you know, elevated. Well, do, do you think that something catastrophic is going to happen on December the 21st, 2012? I, I think that, that we have gotten into a dark period over the last Katoom, over the last 20 years, mm-hmm. that, has, that has cycled higher since 9-11, that, has, um, that is leading us down a, a path that's going to eventually take us to a fork in the road. Now, whether that fork in the road comes on December 21st, I don't know. But, you know, when people ask me, and I, and I get asked all the time, do you really think the world's going to end or humanity is going to end on, 20, on the 21st of December? My response is, first of all, from a scientific standpoint, you have to realize that there have been major um, extinction events that have occurred on this planet over the last 4 billion years just because we haven't been witness to one doesn't mean that they don't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, an asteroid strike happened 65 million years ago uh, off the coast of what is now Chichen Itza, or, or uh, off the Yucatan Peninsula where, where the uh, Mayan homeland Chichen Itza is, and wiped out the dinosaurs. Now, if that asteroid had not hit our planet 65 million years ago, we wouldn't be around because by destroying the dinosaurs, that asteroid paved the way for the ascension of primates and, and uh, modern man. Right. So that was an extinction event. Uh, there have been others. 250 million years ago was the biggest one that hit uh, uh, in Antarctica, or what is now Antarctica, and uh, it wiped out nearly 90% of every living species on the planet. So uh, asteroids are one thing. Other things could be man-made events, uh, uh, a, um, a, a man-made virus that's unleashed that can wipe out civilization or humanity. So it's, these things exist to do the job. Now, two of them are mentioned in Phobos Mind Fear that are, that are real events. And when I, when I write a book, I, I try to include things that are real in there that are actual things that we need to think about. Um, the, the first of these seismic-related events uh, is a volcano that's located on La Palma Island, and that's in one of the Canary Island chains, uh, one of the Canary Islands, which is off the west coast of Africa. And the, the volcano is called La Cumbrevia, and it's dangerous because the entire western face of this mountainside, this volcano, is ready to slide into the Atlantic Ocean. And on the next eruption, it could happen, and when it does happen, Scientists say it will, it, the, uh, a trillion tons of earth will hit the ocean at uh, free fall speed, creating a, a mega tsunami, a, a wave that's 3,000 feet high that will rush across the Atlantic Ocean at 500 miles an hour and strike the eastern seaboard of the United States as well as other countries. And obviously that's a devastating event. The, the second event, Rob, is even more devastating and that's located in Yellowstone National Park. People don't realize it. Most people don't realize it. But the the driving force behind all the geysers and mm-hmm. and hot pools is a caldera. And a caldera is like a supervolcano. It's it doesn't have a volcanic cone. It's basically a pocket of magma. And in Yellowstone, it covers hundreds of square miles beneath Yellowstone Park. Well, the caldera has erupted in intervals of 400,000 years, and the next eruption is overdue. We know that because the caldera is actually pushing up the earth 
in in key places in Yellowstone, uh, including beneath the lake. Yeah, in and fact, in the movie 2012, they used that scenario. That exactly, that's yeah. right. The the um, the hippie sort of character I played, I think Woody, Woody Harrelson, yeah, him, uh, was that was the caldera that erupted, and when the caldera erupts next, and it will, we just don't know when. Um, besides the devastation that will cause in the immediate area, the real um, dangers that will unleash an ash cloud that ha- that has the equivalent ash cloud of 10,000 Mount St. Helens eruptions. And that much ash in the atmosphere will blot out the sun's rays and lead to an ice age. And that is a, that is a, uh, uh, extinction event. Steve, how do we explain the fact that here we are talking about the Mayans, their calendar, it is so precise, and yet, according to today's standards, they were so primitive? It, it's an enigma, and and it, you're absolutely right, because <clears throat> this is a, a, a group, a culture that invented the Mayan calendar as mm-hmm. well as other things, and yet they never mastered the wheel. So... How were they able to do this? Well, the answer lies in their teacher. Uh, the ancient Mayans worshipped a, a great teacher, a great um, wise man named Kukulkan. And Kukulkan has been described as being a tall Caucasian man with long flowing white hair and beard and deep set blue eyes. And if you go to Chichen Itza, and I've been there a few times, the centerpiece, perhaps the most magnificent monument in all of the Mayan civilization is the Kukulkan Pyramid. And it's in Chichen Itza, and it's a four-sided ziggurat of stone, 91 steps on each of the four sides, plus a platform up top. And if you count that up, it equals 365 as in days of the year. Well, every fall and spring equinox for the last thousand years or so, the shadow of a giant serpent has appeared on the northern balustrade of the temple. It's a, it's a light trick created by the Mayans so that when the sun hits these, this stairwell, it creates the body of a giant serpent. Well, that Kukulkan, first of all, just by demonstrating the ability to create something like that, we know how intelligent he was. But it wasn't left there as a tourist attraction, even though it attracts maybe 50,000, 100,000 tourists every uh, equinox. Uh, it was left as an ancient warning. An ancient warning of what, Steve? Well, we don't know, because, you know, it could be the Mayan calendar's mm-hmm. doomsday prophecy. See, what happened was, is that, first of all, I described Kukulkan as a, as a uh, tall Caucasian. There were no white men in the um, Yucatan Peninsula a thousand years ago. The no. first Caucasians didn't come over until 500 years later, when Cortez invaded the Yucatan Peninsula for Spain, and when he came over in 1519, and he was predicted to come over, by the way, by one of the uh, the Jaguar prophet Balaam. Uh, Balaam predicted uh, a, a white man would come over with a, a new religion and create havoc. Uh, when when Cortez came over, he came over with the Spanish Inquisition, and the Spanish priest took a look at the Mayan codices and, and burned nearly every one of them, and that was the codices contain the information that you just asked about what what, uh, the pyramid's doomsday warning pertains to. Steve, is it possible that Cuckoo Khan was actually an albino? No, no. um, 
there there are statues and and hieroglyphics uh, that indicate, you know, his his stature and his you know his, his description. But I, I, w- I wouldn't say that he would be albino. So he just didn't fit into the culture as well as the way that the other people looked. How did he communicate with them? Well, he spoke their language, but he he it was said that he came from the sea. Interesting. And that when he left was when the Mayans turned to um, human sacrifices. And and just like the movie Apocalypse describes, they used to uh, march people up to mm-hmm. the top of the pyramid and spread them out over a stone aisle called a chakmul and basically plunge an obsidian dagger into their chest and take out the still beating heart and kick the body down the steps and and... Uh, Steve, we've got to take we've got to take we've got to take our news break right now. Steve Alton's sure. my guest. www.stevealton.com. We'll be back on the other side of the news. Don't go away. You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show, live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network. X-Zone Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, and Star Cable. Our toll-free telephone number worldwide is 1-800-610-7035. Our email address, xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, TV at Hotmail.com. And our website, www.XZoneRadioTV.com. Explanation. Uh, Steve Alton is my special guest for this hour, www.stevealton.com. And we're talking about Steve's new book, Phobos, My and Fear. Um, Steve, uh, we were t- before we went to the break, we were talking about the, the pyramid, 365 steps. That's including 91 times 4 plus the platform on top. And how the Mayans, after Kukukon left, would, uh, would actually take human sacrifices, you know, tear out their heart, kick the body down, and away you go. Did this, were the mine like this before Kuku Khan came there, or did the sacrifice start after he left? Uh, <clears throat> from what I have researched, the sacrifice started after he left. So it was an attempt to bring Kuku Khan back to resolve their problems. Now you, now you said that he apparently came from the sea. Is it possible that Kuku Khan was one of those who may have uh, sailed from Atlantis? Well, what's interesting is that if you look at every ancient culture Mm -hmm. that has been successful, uh, they've all had the same deity described in their their records. Uh, The ancient Egyptians that built uh, Giza, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, they had their deity. 
uh, the Aztecs, uh, the Inca, uh, the Inca had Viracocha, uh, the Aztecs had Quetzalcoatl. Um, so, uh, and, and one of the things my domain series has put together is that, like, sort of like you said, not from Atlantis necessarily, but who were these guys? Uh, where did they come up with their scientific background? Yeah. I'm sorry. No, I said I I agree. Yeah, and and the and the solution, which which was the main the main character in the storyline, Julius Gabriel, who's an archaeologist, came up with, was that these guys were extraterrestrials that they that they had come back to our planet uh, to warn us about the cataclysm to come on December 21st, 2012. Hmm. How is it then that the Mayans were able to successfully? predict the date of December the 21st, 2012, which they are saying, or, or some Mayans do, because I went down to, to the Mayan myself, and, you know, I, I, I couldn't find one Mayan who even agreed closely with the aspect of anything negative happening on December the 21st, 2012, which I was glad to hear. But, and their knowledge where they could actually predict December the 21st, 2012, way back when, as the date of the galactic alignment? Well, I, I've been down there and I've talked to some of the Mayans too, and, and what's sad is that this, this culture that had been, you know, ruled the entire area for, for hundreds of years uh, has now been relegated to driving taxis and selling souvenirs. And... Well, not yeah, unlike you know, not unlike the North American Indians, exactly, and and unlike uh, it, it would sort of asking a Mayan today about the Mayan calendar, it would be the equivalent of asking me, mm-hmm. a Jew, about uh, what happened on Mount Sinai with the Israel Israelites. Yeah, but I, I'm not, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking ago. about the Mayan on the street. I'm talking about the Mayans. Uh, that are archaeologists, that are professors, and that that are part of the established government. Well, I've I've talked to, I haven't talked yeah. to a Mayan archaeologist to be honest, uh, but I've talked to Mexican archaeologists that uh, uh, have all sorts of varied opinions. Yeah. Of course, you know I'm speaking as a fictional author, sure. so I make my living out of taking information like this and spinning it into something that's fun to read and, and something yes, that's yes, alarming but, as well. Yes, but what I've learned over the years doing this show that many authors write fiction in order to get a point across because if you put Absolutely. it at, you know, it, it, it's an easier read for somebody and it takes, it, it adds a little bit of intrigue into the very same message that they'd given a novel. A hundred percent correct. Absolutely. In, in, in every novel that I've written, uh, pertaining to the Mayan calendar, there's a, the pur- there's a purpose mm-hmm. to it. Uh, in Phobos, Mind Fear, the purpose is to get across that there's these two ticking time bombs of yeah. nature, and more important, that we're doing things that we shouldn't be doing in Geneva. That this, this $10 billion science experiment that smashes protons together at, the, at near light speed to recreate the, the elements that led to the Big Bang is dangerous. Why is it necessary? A great question. It's not necessary. The information that we garner from this is not going to put a new breakfast juice on the table. It's not going to uh, create a new computer. It's not going to increase our our lifespan. It's not going to feed the hungry. It's not going to create jobs. It it seems as if they're spinning uh, PR 
uh, yarn in order to hide, in my opinion, the real purpose. Well, and the real purpose, in your opinion, would be what? Because in my opinion, it's ego. Well, that's, that, that too. It, I agree, yeah. And it's noble pri- or it's, you know, getting a bunch of prizes like the Nobel Prize or something for proving that this Higgs boson exists. Well, so what if it does? Exactly. Big deal. You're, you're risking you're risking the planet mm-hmm. to try to prove a point and win a, a bunch of awards. Uh, when, when you're creating a, a miniature black hole and you don't know because it's never been done before what's going to happen, that's a dangerous situation. And the fact is, is that seismic events have increased dramatically over the last, you know, five, six years, mm-hmm. which was about the time when the Higgs boat, when the uh, Large Hadron Collider came online. And they've had scientific, they've had problems with this, this machine that they had to shut it down as well. You know, there are those who are going to say, Steve, and I've heard this argument as well, and I'm sure you have, well, nothing's happened up till now, so what are the chances that anything wrong or negative will happen? Well, in my book, and, and, and to quote one of the characters in Phobos, Mind Fear, there's two things that you don't do with an atom. Mm-hmm. You don't split it, and you don't collide it. You don't smash it. We know what happens when you split it. You create a, a, a nuclear reaction. Yes. And, and, if you, and if you collide it, you create miniature black holes. And, you know, you're dealing with humans. Uh, for instance, in, in, two, in 2008, the collider had to be shut down when the temperatures in one sector of the particle collider began to rise and they'd lost a ton of liquid helium and it, it actually escaped into the, into the tunnel. Um, there was another glitch. Uh, the uh, particle accelerator overheated when it was invaded by a piece of baguette that was dropped by a bird that found its way into the particle accelerator. So, you know, this is, you don't want to screw something up no. that is dealing with a black hole. And for a physicist to say, well, there's no danger, how are you basing your information? I don't understand the need for humans to play God. I never have, and I never will. I, I see no uh, sense and, to it. And how interesting and how prophetic that they're calling it the God particle. Exactly. Exactly, because they want to be gods. I, I know in the, in the book of Genesis it said, and God said, let us create man in our image and our likeness, but I think we're pushing the envelope. I, I don't think God ever intended us to mess around with the atom. I agree. And, uh, and to recreate the, the elements of the Big Bang. Uh, one time is enough. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, like I said earlier, I worked with a physicist mm-hmm. in writing this book, not because I wanted to gauge his opinion. I was going to write the storyline anyway. But I, as I would send him chapters that dealt with the Large Hadron Collider and the Stranglets, the miniature black holes that can gain mass, his response was, your theories are correct, that this is a real danger. And, and uh, um, just because a physicist, these physicists at the Large Hadron Collider don't think it can happen doesn't mean it can't. What so, is you know, what, that added another little element of fear for me. I guess so. Steve, what is the worst imaginable thing that could actually happen as a result of the Hadron Collider? Well, the book talks about two seismic events 
perpetrated by the colliders escaping stranglet. But the worst event happens uh, as well in the book, which is one of these black holes gets larger. Mm -hmm. And once it gets to the point that it reaches critical mass, uh, it begins inhaling everything in its vicinity, just like a black hole would do. And so what's, what's the nearest body of mass in the vicinity of the black hole? It's the planet. God forbid you're right, and I, I'm hoping you're wrong, Steve. I really am. How long would it take for the planet to succumb to the, the, the events, the catastrophic events that you're talking about? Minutes. It would happen so quickly that we wouldn't even realize what was happening. Hmm. Looking at the brighter side of things, yes, please. December 22nd comes along. Same old, same old. Sun rises, there's still problems in the Middle East, the economy still sucks. Well, the world hasn't changed. What does that tell us? Well, as I said a little bit earlier, I think that December 21st is a fork in the road for, mm-hmm. for humanity. I think that um, uh, we're either good getting better or bad getting worse, and it's up to each of us to make that decision. Um, I, I think there is a, a, a judgment day coming. It, it may not come all at once on one mm-hmm. day, but I think that uh, uh, we have to change as a species if we're going to survive. Could this be the final wake-up call for this planet? I, I think it could be a final wake-up call. I think the planet will go on mm-hmm. unless if one of these black holes does escape as as. Clovis Mind Fear is the storyline. Right. If that happens, then obviously that's it. If if we're able to, you know, avoid that scenario, then I I think humanity is at a crossroads because we can't continue on like we're doing. Well, that's true. That's true. Uh, at any given time now, it's just a matter of time, in my opinion, where it's going to escalate to the point where there's no return. And it's nice to see all the nations of the world really trying to quell the uh, the events in the Middle East because of the nuclear uh, power that Iran is believed to now possess and the uh, the itchy gun finger of Israel. And you've got uh, the you know the Secretary of State uh, Hillary Clinton over there. You've got the President of Egypt trying to work something out. And you know there's a there's a ceasefire now, but the Lord only knows how long this ceasefire is going to last. So. How do we how do we take a constructive way of taking your book and the dangers or the prophecies that lie within the pages of your book and turn the warning into action? I, I you know, we meant you mentioned the Middle East. I, I don't even think the real danger is coming from the Middle East. Hmm. I, I think the real danger is coming from uh, greed. I, I, you look at the situation which I've written about before with these uh, genetically modified foods. Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, you have Monsanto that is basically dictating to the world that farmers are going to buy their seeds. And and why? Because their seeds have been genetically modified to handle um, their own pesticide, Roundup. And, and so these things are getting into our food. And what's disturbing is that... Um, the 
the food secretary right now, the the the, the food czar, uh, is a former Monsanto executive. So it, it, it's so pervasive in our culture mm-hmm. and so accepted that unless the people revolt against this stuff, and in order to revolt, you have to know about it, and that's where books come in, into play, um, it's not going to stop. Wasn't Donald Rumsfeld uh, part of the Monsanto group at one time? Yes. Yeah. Yes, he was. The aspartame, and, yeah. And and what happened was is is you know that's a, a whole news story, but but it comes down to greed again. And, mm-hmm. and basically, when Reagan got in office, he replaced the FDA head so that he put in somebody who was friendly to Monsanto, so Monsanto could get exactly what it wanted. Unreal. Steve, stand by. You and I have to take our final break. As always, great having you with us, and congratulations on yet another super book. Exonation, my guest of this hour, is a good friend of the Exxon. Steve Alton is his name. His new book, Phobos, My and Fear. His website is www.stevealton.com. That's www.stevealton.com. And speaking about December the 1st, 2012... We are going to be live on air for that 24-hour period. We have reports coming in from, uh, let me see, uh, the Orient. We have reports coming in from the United Kingdoms, reports coming in from Egypt. We have reports coming in from across Canada, the United States. We also have reports coming in from Australia. It's going to be a very interesting night. I'm looking forward to speaking to everybody on the 25th hour. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues with my very special guest this hour, Steve Alton. www.stevealton.com. We'll both be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. Steve Alton is my special guest. We're talking to Steve about his new book. It's entitled Phobos, My and Fear. His website is www.stevealton.com. First of all, Steve, as always, great pleasure having you with us. Congratulations on yet another bestseller. Um, what's in store for Steve Alton? Uh, I mean, that's if we all survive past December the 21st. Uh <laughs> My 12th book, The Omega Project, debuts in hardback uh, in May or June of 2013, assuming all goes well. And and uh, it's it's a very fun sci-fi story. It takes place after the great die-off, which occurs in in the uh, 2020s uh, as a result of the uh, end of oil. And uh, uh, it takes place afterward and and 
the bottom line is that uh, we have to get to Europa to, to get our new fuel source for fusion and and as a prelude to going out there, um, the hero of the story is, is cryogenic, cryogenically frozen for 30 days along with his crew. And uh, when he wakes up, 12 million years have passed. Wow. Can't wait to read that one, Steve. Listen, Steve, before we go, um, I'd like to give you a hypothetical situation. You have been elected by the people of planet Earth to be the new leader. What would be your first? What would be your first order of business? My first order of business would be to uh, cancel all genetically modified foods. Uh, that I, I'd say that would be number one. Yeah, you know what scares me about genetically modified foods, Steve, is that it hasn't been around that long enough to know what the long-term effects are going to be. Well, they, they actually do know. There have been studies that have been done, but the studies are being shut down. Uh, scientists and professors and researchers uh, are finding themselves up against when they try to, uh, to get the truth out. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're losing their jobs because Monsanto has so much money and they donate so much money to universities that when uh, Monsanto executive says to a major university, Hey, we want this professor shut down, or you lose your, you know, ten million dollar uh, endowment grant money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, endowment. Um, the professor's gone. Jeez. And so it sends a it, it's it's scare tactics, and scientists have stood up to them and lost their jobs and been discredited. And the discredit machine is, you know, it's powerful. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you put out a paper and you've got a, a you know, fifty people voicing their disagreement with it that are all set up by Monsanto. Steve, the time has come for us to say so long for now. Again, congratulations on another great book. I look forward to speaking to you again in the future, Steve. And um, your your book, is that available uh, in uh, brick-and-mortar stores as well as online? Yes, absolutely. Excellent. Steve Alton has been our guest this hour. Thanks, Steve. Take care of yourself. And you. uh, we hope to see you, uh, well, after the uh, end of the Mayan calendar. Take care, my good friend. Thank you, Ralph. Bye-bye, sir. Exonation, Steve Alton. What a guy. A great author. And his books, well, once you start reading them, you can't put them down. And Christmas is right around the corner. This would be a super Christmas gift, Exonation. www.stevealton.com. And I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as the Exxon continues here from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. <laughs> 